Hi, I'm Dan Hornberger, the host of Breaking Chains, the podcast that focuses on the grassroots of disc golf, the amateurs, the local clubs, the individuals who make a difference, and those who have had their lives changed because of the sport. The PDGA recently suspended all sanctioned events through April 30th. And I thought the people in charge, specifically the board of directors, must be putting in a lot of hours trying to address the daily wave of information concerning the coronavirus. I emailed Pennsylvania's PDGA rep, Chaz Ford, who within minutes had kindly passed on my email to the PDGA. This morning, I received an email from Dr. Justin Medicelli, who is not only a professor of kinesiology at Western Carolina University, but also the president of the PDGA's board of directors. In this special abbreviated episode of Breaking Chains, Dr. Medicelli discusses the PDGA's efforts to address the coronavirus. Justin Medicelli, thanks for coming on to the show today. I'm going to start right in. Since this pandemic began, the PDGA seems to have really been on top of things. I imagine that's the result of a, a great deal of meetings and phone calls. How's life been for you and the board of directors over the last few weeks? Oh, uh, pretty, uh, pretty chaotic, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, we've just been um, in constant communication with each other. We communicate well with each other during, you know, normal time. We just really, you know, upped our game. Uh, lots, of, you know, like everybody else. I mean, phone calls, emails, constantly. I'm on the phone hours, hours a day. Right. And like how many people are involved in the decision making with this, this topic? Well, we have seven. Um, there are seven board members, all elected by our members. Right. And then Dan um, Storkrodick is a, he's kind of an advisor, if you will, to the board. Um, uh, ex officio, you know, not non-voting, but he, he will weigh in also. So um, that makes eight plus uh, Joe Chargloff, our executive director, who, uh, you know, is obviously in charge of the staff. And so, um, you know, Joe Chargloff's in on all the board conversations as well. So nine people to coordinate. <laughs> it's quite a, quite a task. And so a lot of uh, conference calls. Yes. A fair amount of conference calls. I mean, we have a conference call once a month anyway, but lots of emails and lots of phone calls, basically. That's, it's, it's, been, it's been crazy. Now, did you all develop this on your own, or were you looking at other sports and what they were doing? Oh, abs- absolutely. I mean, we're looking at what the world is doing right now. So, right. And it's a, as you know, it's, it's a very fluid, very dynamic situation. So... You know, we'll, we'll we'll come to a decision one day, and then 24 hours later, we'll, we're on the phone again, um, talking about it. So it's been um, it's certainly been stressful, but it's 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 been nonstop communication, basically. I imagine the the headquarters is closed. Yes, the IBGC is closed for business. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Justin. The New York Times reported on a government document saying this outbreak will last 18 months with multiple waves. The PDGA's last update was on Friday, I believe. So far, you've suspended sanctioned events until April 30th. Is that the plan to go month by month, or do you have plans to develop a longer plan of action? Well, I mean, yes and yes, really. We we are kind of going month by month. But in the background, of course, we, we're constantly talking about 12 months, 18 months down the road, especially for the, you know, we have big events that 
you know, take a year of planning. And, Absolutely. And so, the, you know, the bigger events, you know, let's say we have an event in, in July or August or even in through October, those events take at least a calendar year to plan. And, and you know, they, they have to know months out whether, whether it's going to happen or not. It's not something that they can cancel at the last minute. So we're going month by month in terms of announcements, basically, but we're also planning, you know, a year or more into the future. You know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I just can't imagine the, the impact this is having on Emporia with the loss of the GBO. It has to be devastating to that town. Oh, it's terrible. It's just terrible. That was the first, that was kind of the first thing that really stung me personally because, man, it's just, what happened for me basically was that, um, you know, the announcement was that the, the Masters uh, golf tournament was postponed. Right. And right after that, the GBO was was canceled. And that was the first thing that really hit me hard in terms of the disc golf world that really hit me hard because it felt like it was our masters in a, in a way, you know what I mean? It's a huge event and, and great folks over there at Emporia. And gosh, I just, that really stung. I really hated to, I hated to, to hear that. Yeah. I, it's something that's been on my bucket list uh, only because everything I hear about it is just fantastic that the whole town just becomes disc golf for for so many days, and uh, the people, the people in Emporia are so welcoming, and um, just love the community that disc golf has. And I just think that it's such a shame, you know, for this to just go away for this year. Yeah, it's terrible, and and um, but highly, highly necessary. necessary. Yeah, absolutely yeah. necessary. And you know, right after that happened, I went on Smashbox podcast and. Um, and was pretty melancholy, you know. Usually, I've been on Smashbox several times, and you know, usually Terry and John, you know, I usually work back and forth and cutting up, and um, uh, that was not the case. I just was, I was very deeply saddened by that news, and so um, that's how that played out. So, as with the GBO and the cancellation of several other events, uh, I know that there are just so many disappointed players and, and communities out there. But I, I sincerely hope that you've received a, a lot of support for your decisions? You know, we have, um, and we certainly really deeply appreciate the understanding and the flexibility and the support of our members on TVs uh, in the face of this crisis. I think on the, on the early side, um, you know, there was a lot of skepticism, but uh, that, that changed pretty quickly. So we really appreciate everybody's support. The one thing that I noticed that, uh, and I never even thought about this when all this started, was the effect that would have on tournament directors, those poor guys and, and yeah. gals. And thankfully, you guys wrote up this amendment uh, on the withdrawal and refund policy. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we have, to, we have to consider what's best for all of our stakeholders when it comes to tournament play. And, and there are tournament directors that, you know, some of whom uh, shell out I mean, in some cases, the bulk of their own personal savings to to put on these tournaments in the hope that they're going to recoup that cost. And so we had several TDs reach out to us with that information, and and we quickly got to work on a a, 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 a new policy, not a new policy, I guess, but tweaks to the old policy. And uh, kudos to um, to Sully on the board and, and to Nate Hyold and to um, 
David Foss and the others who, um, and obviously the PDJ staff who, who, man, just got on top of it right away and, and uh, drafts went out and it was reworded and tweaked. And, and um, you know, we're just, without TDs, we, we won't have events. So we, we have to really consider what the TDs are doing as well as the, as well as our amateur players. So we're, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to take care of everybody. We're trying to do what's best for all of our stakeholders. So that's really what that policy was about. How closely have you been in touch with uh, the European countries regarding the virus? Well, of course, we're, we're in contact with our country coordinators. We have state coordinators here in the United States, and we have country coordinators uh, throughout the world. So that, that's our pipeline there. And, the, you know, the, this pandemic varies, uh, it varies by country. Uh, and it varies by state. And so it's, again, this is, this is a fluid situation and the information comes in hourly. And we're, as you know, we're a global, we're a global uh, organization. We're the global governing body. So we're in constant contact with the folks in, in Europe and, and abroad. I, yeah, I had a follow up on that. What's the PDGA's involvement with China? Well, China, I mean, here's, this is, this is, this is really interesting and, and unique, maybe. I mean, China has very recently been interested in, in disc golf. There was a representative from China, and I, his name escapes me. I could just, could, just can't come up with it. He was actually at the IDUC this fall. There are new manufacturers in China, and of course, our, some of our manufacturers based in the United States, uh, they, have, they do, some of them do, both of their manufacturing in China. Yeah. And geez, we were just, you know, establishing more of a relationship with with our, our what few contacts we had in China and, and trying to help grow the sport in China. And uh, you know, we'll see what the future holds for that. Um I, I don't know what the manufacturers that that deal with China I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure what they're doing to be honest with you. It's it's um it's really stressful. Yeah. Looking at the numbers out of China, it looks like things are abating a little bit, uh, which is good news. But again, there, who knows? Like you said, it's a fluid situation and we just have to sort of roll with the punches, right? Yeah. It sounds like they had their good news is not so good as of a few hours ago. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So we'll see. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of folks in China. So we'll see. We'll just have to see how it goes. You heard something different that the numbers have increased? Uh, yeah, I got on. I I was on um, CNN uh, and uh, Washington Post this morning and read read some things about China. How how um, you know they thought they had it certainly not beat, but they thought they had it under wraps, and uh, and apparently they don't. So we'll see. Oh no! Yeah. Oh. I I don't know how much you know about this next question, but I, I read online. Uh, that the Netherlands is approaching the pandemic by not going to full lockdown, but rather spreading it controllably uh, in order to work towards immunity. Have you heard about this? I have, you know, and I, I mean, I'm not an expert on pandemics, so I don't know. If well, I know that the Netherlands is a big disc golf area, you know. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I'm not, I don't think the, the World Health Organization is not, they're not super keen on what they're doing in the Netherlands. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, I hope for the best. But what they're doing seems to be, uh, shouldn't say seems to be, it is controversial and not fully supported by the experts. So we'll see. Okay. 
you're a professor of kinesiology at West Carolina University. What's the status of the school? Yeah, uh, it's actually Western. Oh, West, Western. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. it's more regional, uh, comprehensive, um, smaller than our, our brethren out east. The school, the university is, uh, we are all online. All of our face-to-face classes have moved to all online for the remainder of the semester. Uh, that is the case for many, if not most, of the colleges and universities across the country and across the world. So for folks like myself, it's not tragic. You know, I've been, all of my courses have had an online component for years. Mm-hmm. For other folks in teaching different courses, they, um, you know, I, they, I suppose they have a lot, a lot more work to do to put them all online. But I'm, I'm in my office right now, and it's, um, it's a ghost town. All the students have been sent home, so there's no residential students or very few residential students around, and it's basically shut down with the exception of our, our online component. In your case, the online component, are you just offering lectures or is it more one-on-one? Well, for me, it entirely depends on the, on the course. I have courses that have taken a huge blow in terms of face-to-face component. Um, I actually teach a – I've just started teaching this recently. I teach a, a disc sports course. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, in the fall, I teach a – beginning disc golf course for academic credit and in the spring i teach a disc sports course for academic credit for health and physical education majors and that's that is a heavy online component in terms of the assessment and a lot of the cognitive kind of content uh, but what we're gonna we're, we're gonna be just plain missing out on on the face-to-face component which is which is huge i mean you know you Absolutely. can't play you can't play ultimate or disc lacrosse or double discord or hand jam or kaiachi or all these great disc games you can't you know we were playing we were spending the bulk of our time in class playing those games and then they would go online to do the assignments well now you know i've given them some additional online work to do but we just um, we can't we can't replicate what we're what we're able to do, you know, face to face. So, okay, now you've piqued my interest. I need to know about <laughs> I need to know about disc lacrosse. What is that? Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, disc, <laughs> disc lacrosse is a game that I created years ago. It is indoor ultimate, basically. It's very similar rules to ultimate, only played indoors. And instead of end zones where you're likely to run into a wall indoors, about 30 feet out from each end wall is a disc golf target. And then surrounding that target is a standard size lacrosse crease. Okay. So nine foot radius. And nobody's allowed in the crease, not offense, uh, neither offense nor defense. And you score by putting the disc in the in the basket, in, in the target, just, as, oh, you would, just as you would in disc golf. Is there body contact? No, no, it's played just like Ultimate. Just like Ultimate, okay. Yeah, it stemmed year, years ago. Um, it's a long story that I won't, <laughs> won't get into, but uh, years ago uh, I was asked to teach um, some, some things that were outside of my usual science-based 
uh, coursework. And so I, uh, I used to play ultimate. I used to play competitive ultimate. I played for LSU. Oh, wow. Uh, our team captain actually won the Callahan. And so I wanted to teach ultimate. Uh, but it was, I was given a springtime slot and an indoor space. And I thought, well, I can't teach <laughs> ultimate in here. And I, and I recalled some games like we used to play. If, uh, if you were playing short sided three, three on three or three versus or four, four B four or something like that, we played a game called hot box where you would have a little box on the ground and to score, you just would catch the disc and put one of your, you know, step into the box. Okay. I'd heard of a game called Pole Timit, played indoors where you had a pole that you had to hit. And so I just kind of, uh, and I have some experience playing lacrosse. And so I just kind of came up with this hybrid game and, um, and it took off. It's been, it's actually been fantastic. I get phone calls from people in Iowa and places, California, places across the country who, who, seen it demoed at our national convention and they're like hey tell me more about this it's you know it's become an intermodal sport in some places so oh that's very cool yeah anyway thanks for the plug what's your best advice for for all the disc golfers out there can you know can they simply play a whole lot of solo rounds or uh you know do you think that maybe they can go out in groups of two or three and you know keeping social distancing in mind well you know our message um, from the pdj is is skip the course stay at home in fact, you you will soon see that message out on social media. Okay, that's what we're asking folks to do is to is to to stay at home, work on your putting in your backyard if you can, and to uh, avoid the inevitable socialization that disc golf affords. If you're if you're lucky enough to to live near a, a course that's you know, got very few people on it. Or, or nobody on it in some cases, like our campus course here at Western Carolina University is basically empty because the students are all gone. You know, I'd be foolish to say you have to stay at home rather than go play the course by yourself when there's nobody around. Right. We want folks to avoid being proximate to other people if at all possible. It, it certainly is possible if you can just you know skip the course and stay at home. So what we really should see, Justin, is an exponential growth in putting. Yeah, you must have talked to Steve Hill. That's his, <laughs> that's, that's his pitch. Um, look for his video. Uh, I think basket the, sales might, might rise too. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the premise of his, of his video. You just nailed it. You just completely nailed it, Dan. Um, <laughs> okay. that'll, be out, that'll be out. I think it could be out within the hour. This is, you know, work on your putting at home. And it's unfortunate, but that's that's the message we're putting out there. Right now. Hey, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. And stay safe. And uh, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed, and maybe we'll be able to get out and play by the end of the summer. Oh, I hope it's I hope it's sooner than that. We'll we'll see. Hope so. Thanks for having me. wraps up this episode of Breaking Chains. A big thanks to PDGA Board of Directors President, Dr. Justin Medicelli. Kevin McLeod wrote and performed the show's theme, Unwritten Return. This podcast is copyrighted by Rockfish Productions, LLC.